Hello, 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 everyone, everybody. Welcome, welcome back to the podcast, Up and Down and All Around. I am your host once again with the platform most, Troy Reeves, here to talk about those platforming gems that you may have forgot about or time have forgot about, maybe for good reason, who knows, that's up to debate, that's why I'm here to talk about, but uh, today's episode is going into the deep of the platforming mascot of the early 2000s to late 90s here. Originally, it was supposed to be the game I wanted to talk about at the pilot episode. Uh, originally, I played it back in late April, early May on Steam. Um, yeah, that's not, that sounds about right. But I, I, this was a game that kind of inspired me to... I mean, I had the idea about this podcast for a while, but this was definitely one of those games that really, really got my... Flow, like the flow like the juice going to like okay no i think i can do something like this like this could be something to do like i i, I got games to talk about but i'm kind of glad i didn't go with the for this for the first episode not because it's a bad game for say but i think psychonauts is such a better way to start the podcast in my opinion a more memorable game in my opinion here but not to do dock this game per se because i do think this game does have some charm and there is something in there it just has a lot of just discount elements to it but we'll talk about it a little bit more here today with my guest hosts uh on the show but i am talking about the ps2 xbox and gamecube two thousand and two <laughs> Sorry, 2005, 2006. Wow, this game came out a lot later than I expected here. I honestly thought this came out like in 2003, 2004, but nope, 2006. Uh, 3D platform game from Tate Entertainment. KO, The Kangaroo, round two. Don't ever need to rest. I know it all, so it's easy to see why no silly hunter will ever catch me. So, I found you at last. Shh, be quiet. Stop that racket. They'll hear us for sure. We need you. Only you can help us. The horrible... Mean, cruel hunter has started to kidnap animals again. The hunter is surrounded by vicious henchmen. To get to him, you'll have to take care of them first. But Karen, can't you see that I need help too? Hmm. Let me think. Hey, where are you going? show you which way to go. See you soon. 
And that's just a little bit of the intro from KO the Kangaroo Round 2. And here with me today to talk about this, I don't want to say hidden gem, but definitely a C-lit platformer game. Uh, who is not a C-list, by the way. He is an A-list in my heart. He, and he is the host of Soul of a Truck, a podcast about the band The Killers. Please welcome back to the show my dear friend, Michael Nance. How you doing, my friend? Hello. <laughs> good, Troy. I'm doing Hello. all right. Hello. Hello, Hello. Oh, my God. This is how you use nuts, Troy. Oh, my God. We're already getting into the world of I just wanted to talk about the best voice acting in all of gaming. Cow the kangaroo. It definitely took uh, a class in the Sega voice acting course of the 90s here for sure. Uh, as you could even like, I, you couldn't. Unfortunately, you couldn't hear it, uh, Michael. But uh, when, but uh, the audience, as you can tell, kind of hearing from the beginning of the the clip of the game, uh, the voice acting is unique, uh, to say the least. Uh, it, I think it kind of has a charm. I do love games that kind of have these bad levels of voice acting, especially for games like this where it's like it's not really meant to be taken seriously. The plot is just right. meant to yeah. kind of momentum you to the game. But uh, let, I kind of want to talk about it a little bit more, but uh, a, l- a little bit later. But I do want to thank you for coming on again to talk about this very. I don't want to say it's. I mean, it's still a skier, but it. It's this is the one that's like. There is free versions of these. Uh, this is a trilogy of games. This is a trilogy yes. of a platformer games, and this is the one that a lot of people rec- recognize. Because I think this was the only one that really was multi-platform on PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. The first one was only Dreamcast and PC, from what I remember. And then the third one never came into America. I think it only came out in Australia. Maybe Europe. But it never came to America, and it still hasn't really officially came to America. So this is the one that... Pretty much, if you have like, if you were gonna play any game in this franchise, this was probably the one. There's even a re-release of this game too on the PSP. Out of all the consoles to be re-released on, um, I guess uh, Sony needed some games for that uh, portable that not a lot of people got, and it was supposed to be the DS killer. Remember that? Remember how? Oh God! Yep. Remember how people thought Sony was totally going to destroy Nintendo at the DS, but uh, <laughs> oh, the DS was um, the DS. People make fun of Nintendo on the Wii and the DS era, but fuck, did they sell Game Busters? <laughs> um, but I digress. Um, but th- th- yeah, but th- this game. Would you believe out of all the games I have talked about, this is episode seven, I believe. That I'm doing as the, as the recording this, which so we haven't done a lot of games, but there has been enough I could dig up like regarding the development of the game, how how much it sold, like you know enough to kind of feel like we can get into like the meat and gritty and see like why the game became as it was. Right. This game has nothing. Like I shit you not. Like I mean yeah the Wikipedia which I try not to go on Wikipedia too much because I do know it's not exactly a hundred percent good source for information. But, like, you know, I do do my digging around, try to see, like, if there's anything about the game. People, like, it's a retrospectives, things of that na- nature. There is nothing for this game. Like, the the Wikipedia is straight up just when the game came out, 
the fact that it got a re-release on the PSP back in 2006, which is so weird because it came out the same fucking year that it came out in America, which, okay. Um, I, I mean, that, that kind of was the norm back then, I guess. And then that the fact that it came on Steam, which that's the version that you and I played uh, in 2019. At first for free, but then you can only buy it for like $2, which is dirt cheap. And that's it. It was, and the reception was mixed on upon uh, release, and the, pi- the literally the, pi- the the pilot description. It's just two sentences, and that's it. Like this is the most bare bones I have seen of information on a game. In this, it's really game. interesting. You know, but you know what that means? It means that it's prime real estate for creepy pasta. Yes. You know, How like the, the the lost history of the cow, the kangaroo round two development. How the fuck is there not a like? How is there not creepy pasta in this game? Because I there is stuff. No one played it. I mean, it, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I mean, there had to be enough where like I remember this game existing. Like, do you okay? Like, let's kind of like. Oh, absolutely! That. I remember because I worked. At, when I worked at Game Crazy is when I remember seeing this game because we still carried a lot of PS2 and Xbox stuff. So, and I, mean, I remember PS2 seeing this game very... and it was this game, Ty, Ty the Tasmanian Tiger and Tack in the Power of Juju. Oh, and I was like, fuck. what is the deal with like all these companies releasing these like half-assed like platforming games, you know? Because they and... made money back in the day, like oh, definitely, definitely. I, I would say I definitely would say the fifth generation was probably more when there were like prime time A listers, but they still made a lot of money in the sixth generation. But definitely in the sixth generation, they definitely were starting to lose their luster because there were more interesting. Like I mean, with your graphic photos, your Halos, your Metroid Primes, like fighting games were really starting to evolve into 3d like there was just so much going on that like platformers were just not the big draw anymore but these games still sold well because well there anybody can play them and grandma can know little timmy can enjoy his ko the kangaroo round two uh for christmas when uh that year came you know what i mean <laughs> I, I bet old ladies laughed their ass off at this dialogue you know, if you I, bought I this for like your grandson and you see that stupid beaver from like the first level, it's like, cow, cow, hey, hey I need help, cow, hey, these nuts, cow, here's how you're doing. Cow, this is how you throw nuts. People want to give shit to the Sonic Adventure voice acting, but. Oh, um, man. K.O. the Kangaroo uh, definitely take a course in the Sega, the Sega voice acting of the two, uh, of the 90s, which is basically, okay, we only have one night to record all our dialogue. We don't have any more money in the budget. We can promise you beer and pizza, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. You can party with us while you're recording your lines. Because, I mean, what, what not it like a firefly or like a dragonfly that follows you around in this game that, it, like, gives you tips? I, I think it's a dragonfly. Dragonfly, and it sounds like it's or like firefly. a woman Honestly, who's, it could like, be stoned. Either. She sounds stoned as fuck when her she's doing her lines. I mean, you know, fuck, I, w- I would toke it up too in this recording <laughs> session. <laughs> if you press the action button, <laughs> you can jump, cow. Give me a second, cow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the stuff. <laughs> that constant shakes. Oh, yeah, press the X button to jump. <laughs> cow, you don't always have to share your angel dust. Oh, my God. But, like, yeah, like... Th- I remember this game existing, especially, yeah, like, in the era, like, I actually thought it was earlier, like, as you can kind of heard in the intro, 
I thought this came out in like 2003, 2004, you know, like because the first one came out in the Dreamcast, which the latest that could have came out was 2001. Because at that point, that's when the Dreamcast was discontinued. So, you know, 2003, 2004 seems like a good time frame, like two or three years past like when it could have potentially came out last on the Dreamcast. You're like, that, that's a good time frame for a sequel to be pooped out, you know? 2006. Right. <laughs> like, the tail end of the console generation, the Xbox 360 was already out at this point. Releasing Cow the Kangaroo Round 2 on the Dreamcast. <laughs> like, I really want to know how much this sold because it, it. I would not be shocked if it hit a million, but because it was multi-platform, but I'd be really shocked if it went more than that because... It's like it's one of those games where like people remember existing, but I cannot tell you anyone who played it. No, no, I mean it was not. The only people I ever saw come in and buy this game were people buying it for kids. You know what I mean? As you should. Like the, the yeah, it, but I mean also the people who were like, okay, well, I know that my kid will like you know Crash Bandicoot or something, but I'm gonna buy him this game. It kind of looks like it, but it's like only ten bucks. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you know. That, that's definitely fair. I, yeah, like, I mean, I'd be shocked if this was actually sold for $50. Like, this had to be a discount game. Like, there's no more, there's no way this was sold for 50 bucks. This was sold for 40 or 30 at release. Oh, yeah, it had to be 30 or maybe, you know, because there was that slew of games that came out around that time, uh, 2000, the early 2000s to mid 2000s that were started at $20 brand new on disc, you know? Game like, uh, bastards. Yeah, games for cheap bastards. So true. <laughs> classic, yeah, classic, classic X play. Gig, uh, gig. I love that. Uh, here's to you, Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb. Shout They're out. bringing G four back. I know. I know. Today. I know that one still blows my fucking mind. Like who in your 2020 bingo? Who the fuck thought G four was coming back? Whoever not had, me. Whoever had that on your like fucking 2020 bingo? You're goddamn lying, okay? Because no right. one predicted that oh my god but anyways as we digress but yeah like i mean because even today like even today like the ratchet and clank reboot of 2016 that was tied into the movie which i fucking adore which i would love to talk about on the show one day came out for 40 bucks and that game is a really fucking good game so but this game like in that era like again i think 40 was pushing it like i think 20 or 30 honestly was realistic for this game yeah yeah, definitely. This I would be pissed if I had to spend fifty to sixty dollars on this game, but I only spent two dollars on Steam, which I felt was a like a steal. You know? Oh what yeah, I mean? like yeah, two bucks. And I mean, even the game was free for a bit. Yeah, um, it which, has. It doesn't have like a crazy amount of replayability. You know like, what I mean? Yeah, like you once you beat it, you're done. You're done. Yeah, there's really not anything else to do because like collecting everything isn't really worth much i mean it's not like the pain of super mario sunshine where you just get like you know the different graphic at the end of have a relaxing vacation fuck you yeah right wow (laughs) sorry i know Uh, this is not about ko but i have some beef with it because i've been revisiting sunshine and yes i will be talking about sunshine at one point it is on the planner you got you'll have my mandatory i mean it's fine i mean yeah I mean, it, at some point, you got to talk about the big. It's like saying you're not going to talk about Donkey Kong Country. Like, I mean, just cancel the pod. Just, yeah, I just cancel it. I just cancel myself. Yeah. 
Cancel Troy. Cancel Troy, because he's not playing Donkey Kong Country Tropical yeah. Freeze on the podcast. <laughs> that game's a classic, which it is. Anyway, it totally is. I do want to talk about one thing about the game like that I find so fascinating. Cause I was shocked this came out the tail end of the two thousand like the the sixth generation because this was so like reek of middle sixth generation game. Especially the box art, because everywhere else it's just i don't know if you are are seeing it on like your like if you have it pulled up here but like if you see like the like the like outside of the u.s it just has ko the kangaroo round two and it just has ko jumping in his design in a happy face and it sells the character like the the box art sells the game very well in my opinion outside of america it's like you know it's this cute little kangaroo and you're out for a cute adventure you know that works america has this goddamn like kangaroo with the angry look with a goddamn gun pointed directly in your face with KO round two, like thinking like, yeah, we're edgy. <laughs> and, He's got a gun. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that that was the era where they literally like, hey, cute little critters, give them guns. <laughs> give them guns. That's what kids want. Gut, you know, what is it? Eyes down, guns up. Yeah. I, oh my god but no well fun fact um the reason why shadow the hedgehog became what it was because yuji naka did say in interviews that he got many letters from fans requesting for sonic to have a gun and this was even in the classic era of sonic like this is like since the mid 90s which i'm like what the fuck people want for this character so it's just like i don't necessarily blame people for marketing it that way in america because that's what what it was the early to mid 2000s were a dark time for just edginess and like your game was not gonna oh you're playing cutesy mario games what a pussy you're gonna like you gotta welcome back to spike tv (laughs) yeah when spike tv was a thing and g4 was a thing like yeah they they really tried to market g4 as like a kind of like a spike tv like network towards the end of it well, because yeah. yeah that that era of like mid 2000s i mean okay you gotta think about it we're still in the thick of new metal in 2006 oh and that, yeah, yeah corn is know, still relevant yeah corn <laughs> fucking trapped all that shit let, was let, like let, 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 Lincoln Park, rest in peace rest in peace <laughs> limp biscuit i mean people were on limp it biscuit was still around oh my god <laughs> yeah man it, i mean they weren't at the height like they were in like 2000 but still but no. it was a it was a very weird time for like machismo and video games well and the reason why is because again like i i i feel like i mentioned grand theft auto a lot on this podcast but in the sixth generation grand theft auto was probably out of that every game in that generation that one was the most influence because every because that game sold like crazy and every game wanted to rip it off like everybody because again it was like viewed as like games were getting matured now because graphics were getting better so now we can tackle mature themes and cutesy platformers were not as cool anymore so like no. again, like nintendo was not even like fucking shy about this like they gave kirby angry looks like Kirby, the most intimidated character of all, like not even like most passive character of all time. I mean, he could fuck your shit up. Kirby lore gets really dark, but like the design of Kirby is so meant to not be like in your face, fuck you. But somehow we still made him that way in the early to mid two thousands, 
and so that's true. What, and that's what just KO round two really just screams to me in the box art of the U.S. And I'm like, if I like if I was a kid who got this game for Christmas and I was just going off the box art and the game that I actually played, I'm not gonna lie, I low key would be pissed off <laughs> 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 because it was not the game I was expecting. I was like the game that they were trying to sell me was the Shadow the Hedgehog game, okay? But instead of playing as a hedgehog, you're playing as a kangaroo with boxing gloves and a gun. <laughs> yeah, I I. I... And pulling up this box art now because I'm like, wow, the one on Steam is the original box art where he looks happy and is jumping. Yeah, yeah and it which does, I love. you're right. It is it is an accurate representation. Whereas this American box art, well, because clearly Atari brought it over, and oh, so God. you know, look, I mean, look at it. You're like, it, there really isn't a point in this game that is like this, really, other than that like submarine part. Yeah, and I'm which like, is incredibly minor. It's not even like you have a gun consistently you have a boomerang and you never really wear a helmet right? yeah i was to say i don't just remember him having a helmet i don't even remember what him having fucking, a gun what a choice <laughs> I, I don't yeah because again this was like atari like yeah early 2000s where they still had the dragon ball z license and i'm pretty sure that was the only thing keeping them afloat um, <laughs> give them fucking guns yeah they were just trying to think like they literally was like throw everything against the wall and see what stuck but the um, difference between like what sega does it somehow there's something that does stick with sega atari is just like <sighs> oh my god well this brings me to uh, suggest that uh your next one of your next games is vex Oh fuck! From the the acclaim game. Yeah, the acclaim game. It, it is on the list. I would okay, say good. that because I, I did think about that when I played KO the King. Because I also started playing like I want to get into Ty because this de definitely reminds me of Ty and Tack and all that stuff. But Vex is definitely on the list. But I I had them talk about the box art because we I just had it pictured at like like so for some of our listeners who didn't play games in the early to mid two thousands. It was straight up like like welcome the welcome the nuke metal like it was even they did it in children's game it just blows my mind and it's just now looking back on it I'm like man that arrow games does not hold up well <laughs> no it does not like there's some even some of the good games from that time are very very rusty now like my still my favorite GTA like I love San Andreas two number fives but um. Vice City is probably my favorite in that that genre, just because it was the one that felt unique, um, with the '80s aesthetic, um, and then like yeah, like and, and uh, the GameCube, like I, I don't know, like like some of my favorite games of that generation, like the the Wind Wakers, the Sunshines, like were were not like they were well received by critics, but for fans they were very diverse of. Di diverse but then like now they're becoming the fan favorites that one got a remake and two the other one people are begging for a remake nintendo yeah uh sunshine yeah. bring back uh sunshine hd hashtag yeah tw make it tw trending um but yeah like I, I i felt like we have to talk about the box art because it's so fascinating to me because this game if anything it it's it's a poor man's baby's discount babies rayman 2 that's right discount babies rayman 2 because holy shit this is rayman 2 yeah like, the combat is like one for one like not even like just the combat the goddamn story like instead of like a robot pirate you have a hunter and instead of a 
limbless hero, you have a kangaroo who got locked up and has to be freed to save the world. And it even like just even some of the level themes remind me of Rayman. Like, and that's why it blows my mind still that that's came out in 2006 in America. Rayman 2 came out in 99. Like at this point, we already had our DS uh, port of Rayman 2. <laughs> For real. Like, yeah. Believe it or not, fan, people, uh, Ubisoft at one point used to milk the fuck out of Rayman 2. They, it was just like, oh, can this system run Rayman 2? Let's see. Okay, let's sell it. Put it on there. It's like Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, like it was the Skyrim. Like it was straight up the Skyrim of Ubisoft back in the day because it came out in every every console it could have. I'm pretty sure there was an Endgame version, for to say the least. But uh, I, but yeah, like that's why it blows my mind that this came out in 2006 because this is straight up Rayman 2, but it's not even better. It's like it adds the charm of Rayman 2 in some ways, but it controls a little worse. There's not that much memorable set pieces. And, like, out, honestly, outside of KO and the very bad voice acting, I can't remember anything about this game. I mean, since I just played it, it's fresh in my mind. But you're right. I mean, even me playing it, like, I couldn't tell you specific levels and stuff that I like that really stand out to me. I will say that the winter world was my favorite, the second I, world. I do remember the winter world being like that that those set of worlds were very fun. They cuz I mean this game to me is like an amalgamation of lots of things that worked in other platformers. Like you it has said, a checklist. A lot of a lot of Rayman 2 influence. Crash um, Bandicoot, Jack Crash and Crash Bandicoot, tons of Crash Bandicoot influence. Um, a little bit of Mario, because in the in the winter level, there's a lot of like downhill sliding. That's right. And you know what? Damn it, they even worked in our boy Sonic with oh, the snowboarding yeah. and grinding. So that's right. Oh my god, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I didn't remember the snowboarding, but I didn't. I honestly did not compare it to uh, Sonic Adventure, which there is like straight up. Yeah, there is that snowboard level at the end of Ice Cap. Um, yeah. But I was thinking more Rayman 2 with the sliding levels. But yeah, you're right. Like this, this literally was the ultimate checklist of like, okay, this worked in other platformers. Let's mm -hmm. do it here. But we have half the budget. Because um, again, like this game, like I think the first game. You have the animals you ride on, like in Donkey Kong, the pelicans. Yeah, the animal, yeah, the pelicans. Like, yeah, like it's just, it, it's just like, yeah, it's it feels like such a checklist of everything you do in the platformer back in the early to mid 2000s that. It, like it, there's nothing I, I mean there's not that much to really talk about because it's like except like the fact that yeah it has heavily influence on that but they're not as well executed um yeah i do like and even how the they the presentation of the game is so very strange to me because there is a story behind it like sp spoiler alert it's rayman 2 it's straight up it's just Rayman 2. Like, you are you are captured at the very beginning. One of your animal friends saves you. You escape the ship, and you're trying to save the rest of your animal buddies and beat this hunter. Just right. instead of, like, a hunt... Like, instead of the robot pirates, it's hunters and pirates. But, I, but you know, Rayman does a much better job of, like, connecting all those pieces and making the oh, story, yeah. like, feel coherent and, like, you're immersed in it. With Cow, it's just kind of, like, the Cliff Notes version. So, like, it's very unclear to me how, like, all of these characters fit together. Like, the bad guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cow and his needs to wants to save his animal buddies, really no further explanation needed. 
But when it comes to the bad guys, you've got the shaman guy, like the first boss, like the weird shaman was, wizard. He is like, yes. Yeah, so How I, is he related to the hunter? How? Yeah, I thought he was more like a, not even magician. I thought he was more like technical, like a professor, like just a weird. No, I, he's a shaman. He he's like right, uses you're right. magic I remember and science. <laughs> with, science? Oh my God. Yeah, like it's just, yeah, it makes no sense. Like this, he's, yeah, like there's no, it's just basically like, oh, that was in that game. Like, let's throw it in. Oh, that yeah. was in that game. Let's throw it in. Like, it's yeah. straight up like a hodgepodge of all the major platformers, the A-list, and even some B-list uh, yeah. platformers, and put it into the C-list game. <laughs> Definitely, because when did the first Ratchet and Clank come out? 2001? Two, 2001, 2002. I'm gonna... Because the underwater boss fight reminds me of something that would be or was in one of the Ratchet and Clank games. So that feels like a lift, too, because surprisingly for a game, because in these types of platforming games, not ones made, because even this is a pitfall for even platforming games in AAA studios, oh, water yeah. levels. You know, it's notorious in Mario. A bunch of other games have really, really awful water levels. But this one's water level isn't that bad, honestly. I, about I, to say, I remember not hating it. Right. Uh, by the way, uh, Ratchet and Clank, the first one came out in 2002, and then we had the 2016 reboot, uh, which was a remake of the, that. But yeah, 2002. Ratchet gotcha. Clank. So still, it still fit the timeline. 2002. But, so yeah, it this definitely came out before that, that. This came out after Ratchet and Clank. So. Yeah, it still came. Yeah, because water levels and platformers, they can be done well. Um, like this one is definitely one of the ones that I would say lean towards that. I mean, it's nothing memorable or nothing great, but it's nothing like irritating like right. a like let's say a 64 or yeah 64's water levels were rough even though the soundtrack i like but yeah they're not really fun to play banjo kazooie i like their water levels but i think because banjo controls well with his water but that's because kazooie um rayman 2 i don't know there's that many underwater levels. donkey kong donkey kong 64's water level i mean we don't the god Every time I get don every time we talk about Donkey Kong sixty four, I just get flashbacks of just collecting a bunch of pointless bullshit. Uh, oh Jesus! Yeah, that game. Uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent on it, but it, that I, is uh, <laughs> everything wrong with a collectathon. Like th that's where like the criticism of collectathon comes from. People like to throw it to Banjo. No, it comes to Donkey Kong sixty four, and I have a fucking I got a thesis on that. We'll get into it one day. <laughs> I mean, collectathons in general were already kind of a sin when that game came out and it it was such a collectathon it was almost comical it, it they had it, like and especially rare rare they like because they're there's in that era of rare they they were so tongue-in-cheek that they kind of had to do it as a joke like they i feel like they they did it as a joke <laughs> but <laughs> i would not be fucking surprised like, I would like that better than than them doing it intentionally. Be like, well, we don't want to make more content, so we're just going to make a bunch of fucking collectibles. Yeah. Oh god. But we'll we'll talk about that at one point because I digress. But no. Yeah. Like with Cave of the Kangaroo. Shit. Now I've, I kind of forgot where we're going off of. <laughs> Damn it, Michael. Oh, with that. No. Hey, look. I'm sorry. I was. We were talking about it being a checklist. That's right. Also, it's underwater yeah. level, and from the underwater level, you know, yeah, we're talking well, about bad ones. So. Yeah, like bad ones. And this one is fine. Like again, like it, it controls very well, and it's just that. that that's just the thing about this game to me. Like I like this. 
I do like this game. It, it, it's going to make it... So far, I feel like we're making it sound like we don't really like this game. No, I had fun with it. Like, I had my blast with it. I mean, yes. It has its moments. It has its moments, for sure. Yeah, like, it's very charming. I like K.O.'s design. Like, K.O. as a character is an idea, a perfect idea for uh, a B to C list platformer to me. Like, this is what I really like about the design. Like, it's cute enough that it can sell it to the kids, but it has, like, you know it's an animal that makes sense for like a platformer and the design of like the boxing gloves and the shorts silly, but works. And like, I like the fact that he has like those cute, those cute, cute eyes on any platformer is like my fucking bread and butter. I don't know why I love them. Cute <laughs> eyes. Give me those cute eyes on those animals and I will play your games. Or not even animals. Any cartoons, I don't care. I like cute shit. That's why I play platformers, because sometimes I just want my cute shit. That you may have game learned... is, has cuteness, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I really love Chaos Design, and I honestly think the design alone carries a lot of this game. And even to the point, like, his idol... I don't know if he did the idol animations a little bit. I kind of fucked around with the idol animations, but they are so adorable. Like, he looks, like, if you just make K.O. wait, he looks at you, get, like, a little pissed off, like, hey, we got something to go, we got somewhere to be. <laughs> like, yeah, I do appreciate the idle animations. There are some, like, really charming aspects to it, even though, you know, I have my complaints. Um, like, you were saying the environments. Like, I don't think the environments are bad, and especially in the remake on Steam. Yeah, no, it looks pretty good. They they're they're fine. Um, like honestly, for what they're trying to do, I think it gets the job done. And it's like right, like the levels. Honestly, the levels themselves, I don't really have issues with. It's mostly the presentation of the game and just how it kind of controls like a poor man's Rayman, where really are like some of my biggest criticism. Because okay, so we barely touched upon a hub world, but there is a hub world in this game. But put an asterisk uh, at the end of that because. It's barely there. You barely. Speak yeah, it. yeah. It's only there. Yeah, just it really. You have no reason to stay there. Yeah, like it's. I wouldn't like. Pe people complain about like Super Mario Galaxy 2's face ship, like the Mario face ship. At least there was kind of shit to do in that one. This one, there's nothing. Like I think there may have been like co some collectibles, but you could easily yeah. like there. But you can easily collect it in like a few seconds. Like it's not worth. It's not worth, like, honestly, even having a hub world. Like, I think a level select would have made much more sense and maybe have, like, a paywall. Because you have a paywall at the very beginning. I think you have to get, like, there's this pirate that's blocking this gate. And you have to pay him, like, what, 3,000 coins or something like that? Yeah. Which um, you don't have. Like, you start at zero. And it does take a, a while to get it. Like, basically, once you get to the 3,000 coins, you're starting to get to the end game. But, like, that's it. Like, the only reason why the hub world is, exists is just for story beats to happen. And that's it. Yeah, <laughs> And absolutely. it's not even interesting to, the, to explore. Like, there's really nothing fascinating about it. No, no. I mean, I'll make a bold statement and say if your hub world doesn't have a secret level or a secret zone available to it through exploration, don't even bother. I agree. You know? I agree. Like... People Put me give, on a world map or something. I don't care. People give shit about the Sonic Adventure hub world. And don't get me wrong. Like, I have my criticism with it. But they were still kind of fun to explore. These weren't. And, yeah, there was nothing really hidden to find. And it's just... 
like people i know there's that debate in platforming games of like it's either like you know give me just a level select screen like you know this like give me like you know super mario brothers 3 just give me like you know we go by level by level i get that some games it works best for that format yeah. But in some free platformers, I do like the hub world because I do like that sense of explorations. And if you do it correctly, it can really build the momentum to your game of like me wanting to beat it because right. it's like it does add a letter, a, a level of mystery. That's why I think like your pizza's castles, your Grantilda's, uh, Grantilda's lairs, Delfino Plaza really work very well because they have enough hidden stuff that are also in plain sight that let you know like there is something there but you just don't have the ability yet and then you as you progress further in the game you do get to see this hub world grow until its end game which that's why i think hub worlds work so well because they gravitate with the game with you and it adds the mystery the level of mystery to it and with this it's just like well we need to find an excuse to put story beats in our games yeah it I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying too about the, you know, a good hub world um, creating an air of mystery. And also, because, you know, using the reference of Super Mario World 3, where you have like an overworld map that you just move your character from one area to the next. And, you know, like some areas are blocked by like, you know, like you need a hammer to get through the blocks or you, yeah. you know, that that is a, a certainly a way to do it. But the advantage of taking the 3D space and creating that hub world is that you kind of don't know where the end is. It isn't obvious that, oh, when you go into Peach's castle, well, other than like the Bowser, you know, there's the Bowser frame, but it also, it just makes the space feel so much bigger. When you're looking at a 2D map, you're like, oh no, well, I know exactly where the end is and I know where everything is because I can see it. Yeah. When you're looking at the, the 3D space, you're like, oh, I, what is there to explore here? And in Cow, it's like, okay, there's like a homeless beaver on a bench, <laughs> a train, uh, that pirate garden at gate and then like two other things and that's it and you're just like all right well i guess i'll get to the levels and and, so. and they're not even like connected well like when you like go, go into the levels like the, the 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 world levels they don't even like connect those very well like how you get there it's like oh like this tree oh you're going to this forest okay that kind of makes sense i don't even know like the snow level like how you get to those but it doesn't make any sense i remember it's like okay this is kind of jarring yeah <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The taking the train to the snow level. That sounds about right. Yeah, you get into the train, it just zooms off and takes you to the snow level, which is, you know, <laughs> that you get. I definitely, with this game, be it may, being made in 2006, I get the like really strong, like mid 90s loading screen vibes from going in between oh, yeah. worlds. It's that's very jarring too, where it's like, you know, by this point, most games had like a way to like softly. It enter you into a loading screen or into some sort of waiting room. Yeah. But this game's just like, oh, you go into a door. Oh, now it's you're looking at like a Windows ninety five loading screen. So yeah, I mean, even like I think sixty four kind of even did that with like the like when like the dun dun like the with the intro yeah. stuff. Like I was pretty sure that's the reason like to load up the level. Yeah, um, exactly. Slow fade in. Yeah. With a song and it shows you like the available quests through the stars you can achieve. And then you get into it, but it doesn't, it's not just like that. You're at a loading screen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just so weird. Like the presentation, like it's far, I would say it's far from poor. Like there is some no, effort. Definitely not. There is not. There's the HUD is good. That's a big, that's the big plus. I do think the HUD when you're actually playing the game and controlling cow, 
oh yeah is good it controls um, it controls decent like again i still think rayman like the inspiration this game has controls better but it's far from a bad controlling game like it's very, oh the very controlling cow himself or is his name ko or cow i i pronounce it ko because that's how i heard people pronounce it but i could see it also as cow honestly when i just played it the the beavers and most of the other characters called him cow but i also have like hey kale like, I, yeah. I don't even know if there's even a consistency on that now because now the more i think about it, i was like yeah they do say that but then i do remember some characters say hey kale hey <laughs> how do you use nuts <laughs> that that's the mo most memorable part of that game to you huh uh yeah i mean the i just remember laughing at that uh playing the game uh just him saying that the stoned dragonfly and then that the bad guys for the hunter. By, like by and large the hunter um the he reminds me of cortex bad guy, yes he definitely reminds me of cortex he's like star safari cortex <laughs> um the shaman human is uh he just has like a like two lines of voice acting but they're just like really gruff and he i mean his you can tell with his voice acting he literally read the line as it was printed on the page you know what i mean like yeah. it's like you will pay for this ah, ah. <laughs> like he had to get every a that was written down in that voice line <laughs> i love it like i so. mean we we shit on it but these are the shit these are the stuff that gets us like what we love about these games it's just oh like, definitely uh, these little things make it worth it uh but let's let's we were get, going more into the gameplay about the controls i think like again it's if you played rayman 2 you have played ko but he does control i say a little bit more stiff yeah uh, the, the the game controls well yeah definitely a little bit more stiff and slower it feels like i feel like rayman just felt like a little um both smoother and like your your pace was just a little quicker yeah which makes, I mean, not everyone can have Michelle on sell, like, make a game. Like, right. he's, like, a living legend in my book. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, like, again, the game controls well. Like, it is a little, it's loose, but also, like, it's a little loose and a little tight at the same time. It, I don't know how to describe it, but it's also, like, depending on some of the aspects because you do get a lot of, like, we kind of mentioned it in the, a little bit at the beginning, but, like, vehicles and animals, like, you get to do water barrel which were fine i guess i do remember them being a little stiff they, the water barrels are hard to control yeah they're like, so I, hard to control they're, they're I way too touchy that's right okay yeah but i feel like you know you don't deal with them as much i think honestly i think you only deal with it a handful of times like i, I don't remember yeah. doing it all i think it was mostly in that beat the first beaver, beaver the first room. level and the second level have them primarily there might be one in the subsequent levels but yeah I do remember it being a bigger thing in the first levels, especially yeah. there's one map. There's one map in the first world that is pretty much consistently dominated by that barrel. And it's really difficult to yeah. control. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do remember that. But again, like it's nothing like it's nothing too outrageous where it's like, oh, man, it really hurts the gameplay experience. And it's it doesn't even like most of those segments only last like a minute. Like they're not even long. Like they're just kind of there. Right. Um, and then you got the motorboat, which I remember it re controlled fine, I guess. like I It was just, okay. It's also kind of touchy. Turning's a little yeah. tough. 
Like, yeah. And the boost mechanic's all right, but I didn't have to retry that. I beat that boat race in one go. So Yeah, it's same here. And the RAF, which... The submarine. Isn't there a submarine? I think there is a submarine. I think that's like... Towards... the submarine part... The submarine part, to me, almost felt like, why even bother with that? Because it's so easy to control and beat that level. But I'm like, why did they even do this? They just did it to be like, on the back of the box, five yeah. different vehicles you can control. You know why they had it? Because they were going through the checklist and they didn't get to Spiral yet. It's like, okay, what can we take from Spiral? Oh, Spiral controls a submarine and Spiral, I think either Ripto's Rage or Year of the Dragon. I'm even sure, pretty much both, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where they got the checklist. I'm like, because even, uh, it straight up even reminded me of the Spiral submarine. It was, just, but it's, yeah. like, but it's like, I'd rather play those levels because Insomnia I did a better job with that. And again, I don't want to shit on Tate interactive because they did do for what they had honestly they made a really well-made game for what they the resources they had but yeah it definitely felt like a checklist here um but the vehicle that i would say because it's the only one that actually is a returning one because it was in the first game and from what i heard in the first game they didn't control well but in this one it's such much of an improvement the snowboard Mm, yeah the snowboard part is good I did like that. Th- those are fun. And I think those are the only ones that really stick out, like has done multiple times, but they were very fun to control. And I, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. And again, it does remind me of like, you know, the Rayman sliding levels, but also even like, yeah, Sonic Adventure, Ice Cap at the very end of that. So it's, it's, it's very well made, like not very well. It's it, well, it, way done out of all of them. Snowboard, it gets my check of approval of yeah. vehicles. And Honestly, it, it's uh, it's it's a fun part, uh, I, like most of the snow level is. I kind of wish they did kind of have like, cause you know how like Sonic and I mean apparently, so apparently K- KO Challengers. That's what's also K- uh, the PSP version of KO is called, by the way. KO Challengers, because there's a multiplayer aspect to it, and there's apparently a multiplayer mode where players can use fifteen uh, different weapons, including okay, so it's like a shoot 'em up. Oh, that's kind of lame. I was kind of hoping like there's maybe like, you know like how like Sonic Adventure or like the games in that era would kind of have a multiplayer mode tack on and it would just use a lot of those vehicle modes. I would love yeah. to kind of have a versive mode with the snowboard. I think that'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. Like a, maybe a race or Yeah, yeah, like a race. Like you know Sonic Adventure 2 battle style like a race type stuff. Like who's can get to the end of the goal quickest. That would be fun. I would like that. I mean, if you if you did some touch-ups, but otherwise, yeah, that would be fun. I cannot believe they released this game for the PSP too, man. They they really wanted to make KO a thing, man. They really tried. And, you know, if you were gonna make a if you're gonna make a plat- platform mascot a big success, you know what console you put it on? The PSP. <laughs> just look, <laughs> just look at Daxter and Clank. <laughs> oh God. Uh, oh Jesus Christ. Man, I, I do want to tackle those games one day. I mean, they're not going to happen anytime soon because I'm not planning on getting a PSP, but one day. I think, can you play PSP games on the PS3? Like the PlayStation Network? I feel like With, you can't. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Because I am getting a PS3 soon, and that's how I'm going to tackle a lot of the future games, and I might do it that way. So, okay. All right. You guys got a little bit of a behind the scenes of how I pick my games. Um, but no, the vehicles were, I want to also talk about the animal buddies. Cause again, like we mentioned, like Donkey Kong country checklist, but mm-hmm. again, not as memorable. Like they're not like your Rambies or your 
Engards or um, I forgot the other names of the other ones. Rambi and uh, Rambi Engard. Um, what was the uh, the parrot? Squawk, squawks. Squawks. Yeah. Squawks. Yeah. Like I know the parrots, like the parrot names on the tip of my tongue, but they're not as memorable as those. I'm about to say honestly, I even forgot about it. I forgot that you actually control the. There's only one animal buddy that I remember p- controlling, and it's because it's kind of a pain. It's the, the pelican. The pelican, yeah. Yeah, pelican it's so jarring. Like it's. I, that was my least favorite level. The docks. Yes. I did not like the docks. Yeah, like it's not good. Like. It, and it's like here's the thing the thing that just kind of pisses me off is honestly it was just like maybe one touch up away from actually being fun but it's just just enough where it's still very unpolished and it's very jarring to control from ko that it's like most of your depths from that is just trial and error from the controls <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i definitely died a lot in those docks areas falling into the water um, and just not being able to control the bird very well. But it's not like it was horrible or completely derailed the game. It yeah, just no. was kind of a chore to get through those points. Yeah, and again, and they they don't even last that long. Like, all these parts last like maybe a minute or two in the level. Like they're not big parts. There's not even like a – I don't even think any of them really get like a full level treatment. No. No, uh, no they don't. Excuse me. Sorry about that. But yeah, no, yeah, like yeah, like it's just they, they all just kind of like again. I felt like they just were there because like oh, that's what you do for variety in a platformer. But I, I would say in Ko's credit, it never overstays its welcome. Like right, like, just enough where it's like you know oh, that's a neat thing I did, or oh, that happened, and that's yeah, it. that's all you can really say about it. <laughs> like, very true, very true. There's a lot of elements of that where it's like oh, if you hate it, it's not going to be around too long. You know what I mean? Yeah, which so. I do admire that. Like, I I like that approach better than, like, you know, really just trying to sell, like, oh, no, this game's going to be full of gimmicks. Like, that's why, to me, like, Crash Bandicoot, like, people think is blasphemy that I don't like Warp that much in the trilogy of Crash Bandicoot. It's still my second favorite, but I did think the gimmicks of, like, different vehicles and different play styles kind of hurt the overall experience because why I go into those kind of games are the platforming. I do expect some variety in some ways, but when it becomes a little too much, it's like, okay, like you're definitely getting diminishing returns at this point. Right. Because you're also going to try. I also think with uh, introducing too many vehicles and uh, gimmicky gameplay variations like that, you're inevitably going to have some that are very weak because they've just got so many different like ways to control and program that there's going to be one or two that are just kind of like, eh, this kind of sucks. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Like, it's, yeah, like, yeah, like, if you have a lot of them, like, some are going to get more treatment than others. That's just how game development is. That's even just how most stuff is, to be perfectly right. honest. If you're making any sort of art, like, that's just how it is. But um, I don't know if we talked about the combat a little bit, but again baby's first rayman it's straight up like replace like your stife with like your little jump remover replace your power lum attack with goddamn boomerangs and yeah like it i feel like there's not much to say except like yeah it's just baby's first rayman just uh discount (laughs) yeah very much so the combat is largely forgettable there's a couple of enemies like uh those like balls with long legs in the first world that you have to roll into but for the most part it's just uh 
their combat can be frustrating because the enemies, the enemy AI basically never misses if you put yourself in the in like hit range. So you have to be really good. So like uh, I can think of two enemies in particular the the flowers that like you're supposed to dodge and then hit the stem. That's right. I remember attack. having problems with that because I was like, why can I not kill this sucker? And then it's like, because uh, the way you the way it tells you to kill them is wrong. You want to like roll up to him really fast before he has time to even make a move on you. That's right. And I stumble upon that. Like I'd even yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. That's right. The the game out that how I told you is wrong. And like I stumbled upon it because I'm like, okay, how the hell did you beat these fuckers? And I act, I think I just rolled into that motion, and I realized it did damage. And I'm like, yeah, you're, oh, you're okay. like, this works. The other way it doesn't. Yeah. And then the other enemy that kind of sucks to deal with is like, uh, it's toward the end game. They might be in the docks, or maybe they're in the like jungle temple level. The hunters that have the guns. That's right. Those were I remember those being pains. You yeah, they hit you instantly, and it's like hit scan. So it like inst- instantly hit your character, and you're like, well, shit, well, and you know it, it completely disrupts your flow too because there's knockback on every hurt box. That's so. why that final boss was a little irritating to me because it's like the hit back, and it's just like because it wasn't a hard boss like at all. The final boss isn't hard. the The worst part of the final boss is the initial phase where you have to throw boomerangs on him while he's on the balloon. Yeah, and that's only because the targeting kind of sucks with the boomerang. Yeah. Like, it's just, again, it's it's one of those scenes where, like, there is elements to it, but they're not that long, like, again, it's just like the vehicles. It's just, they don't overstay their welcome. They have their problems, right. but you don't spend a lot of the, a game using it. Honestly, most of the games, it's literally, honest to God, platforming, which I do enjoy. We don't get enough of that these days, surprisingly. True, true. Hello? It does focus a lot on the platforming, um, that, and I guess that's a testament to how they do focus on that being a quality part of the game, the platforming, because the things that so far I've had the biggest gripe with, and maybe this is true for you too, is everything but the platforming. Yeah, no. You know? In fact, that's probably my favorite aspect of the game. I think the platforming, like, you know, works as tight as it can be. Kale has a lot of charm. I love the idle animations. I love how he controls. I love how he moves. Like, it's adorable and fun. And it's, uh, you know, the level design, I mean, nothing amazing, nothing to go like, oh my God, this is amazing. But like, you know, does the job enough that I feel engaged enough to complete it. And I was interested to see what the next world have. I do want to talk about, uh, before we go a little bit into the platforming, uh, because we talked about idle animations. You you noticed the neck thing, right? Yeah, the neck thing (laughs) uh, when you go underwater. So, um, I am shocked it's not a meme. So, t- for our audio listeners here, so when KO's underwater, like when you're in a body of water that you can be in, because there is a body of water that can automatically kill you. But if you're in a body of water that, you know, uh, doesn't kill you, your neck will go up the deeper the water goes to the point that your neck gets stretched up really weird. But it oddly adds to the charm with his doughy face and this strong ass neck. To me, it's just like, this is 2020 in a nutshell. Like, yeah, everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It works because it's obviously, like to me, it's obvious they just didn't want to try and make a swimming animation for Cal because they're beyond being completely underwater. So maybe that was just broken. So they do the neck thing. It does work because it's kind of funny that your neck stretches all the way there. So it does look intentional, but... Yeah, it's it's pretty goofy. 
Yeah, I do. I do love that. And, and, and that's the things like, again, like the honest to God platforming and just the charm of this game, particularly KO himself. It's right. really charming. Like it's enough. It's enough of a charm for me to get carried for. Cause this game isn't a long game. It's not super short. It's not like three hours, like a Pac-Man world two where you can really beat it pretty quickly, but it's, it's a good, like, I would say six to eight hours. Like that sounds like it, it around that time for me to beat the game. Like, right and i did yeah. a ca- and i did it passively like i did like a casual playthrough like i would play it maybe like 45 minutes to an hour a time you know and playing it and trying to collect everything would probably take you about 12 hours i would think that sounds about right but uh spoiler alert it's not worth it um yeah there, there are bonus playthrough levels is about, yeah eight hours ten hours yeah there are bonus levels uh they're not fun and they're not worth it so if you do no, play the game not. don't even bother um and yeah like even collecting everything i don't think really does anything i don't think you get like a special end ending or anything like that or yeah but yeah if you do want to collect everything it's probably be closer to 12 but yeah if you just do it like a casual playthrough it's like six eight hours which again it's not like a long plat like there always been that argument of just like how long games would be um for games like this i think six to eight hours that perfect length like that i feel like I would get my if this was new today in like if I was back in like 2006 and I played this for $30 and it was six to eight hours I feel like I would have got my money's worth yeah and, yeah um, but we played it for today in the steam version for two dollars and I still feel like I got my money's worth but th- again like I do think this game the charm really sells it the platform is very fun it's very like you know there's nothing like super crazy or super hard but it's enough of a challenge where you do feel engaged and not just kind of go by the numbers and feel like you're going in autopilot and again i can't stress this enough i really like ko's design like ko's design alone i honestly think is the best part about this whole franchise because it's a good character design like for what it is like i i'm kind of glad like i did not know this uh, i don't know if you know that's about this michael but Apparently they're bringing Ko back. Hell yeah, I saw that when I was on the I was on Twitter, looking up stuff about Cow or Ko. Whatever, whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. We're getting another game, and I got to be honest, I hope it's rated M. <laughs> rated M for a turn. <laughs> this is this is what the game, what Ko Round Two really should have been for American audiences. Cow's bad fur day. Oh shit. Oh my god! But no, no, like I was shocked because I was on Steam and I just stumbled upon it. I was like, they're making a new Ko because no one's talking about this because no. again, because I don't think like it's not like your Brinks or your Gexes. Like we make fun of Gex, but Gex did really well in the nineties. Yeah. Like those games yeah. sold really well. Um, and yeah, like and I'm pretty sure Ko two round two probably sold decently well for like for what it was but it wasn't like a big game buster game and it kind of came and went and it's just it just blows my mind in 2020 we have a new ko game coming out i don't know when it's coming out they, they're just saying it's coming soon and that's it but and we we gotta say that's that's one of the advantages to it being made by a company like tate interactive that's so like obscure and there really isn't much they've worked on is that like they could probably con- contact the de- developers pretty easily and be like hey can we get another one of these because i've seen a lot of twitter accounts that are like bring back this game or bring back this game you know what i mean and 
uh, any of the ones that are owned by Sega, it's like good luck, dude. Because <laughs> Sega's luck. like Sega barely acknowledged that if it's if your name isn't Sonic or Ryu, uh, yeah, they're like um, got some bad news. No, or, Skies of Arcadia. I mean, Skies of Arcadia would be a great RPG to bring back into modern times. I would love a new Skies or even never, a full remake of the original game. You know, in, in modern graphics, L- would love it. Here's but the no. thing that can happen if anything. Streets of Rage Four kind of taught us this year, like those can happen. It's a Sega's not going to be the one making them. Sega's just no. going to out. She's like, oh yeah, you can make it. Like that's yeah, it. that's true. Because I mean, I would love also love. I mean, this is also Capcom though. I would love a new Power Stone. You know, oh, there's so many. Power Stone. But now we're getting Cal the Kangaroo <laughs> round four. Yeah, you know, and I'm okay with that. Like, these are just saying, like, you know, I love that this game comes back from the dead because these are like, it's like that weird character in Smash getting in. Like, this is the stuff that I love. It's like, yes, I love, like, I've been saying this, like, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much sure every episode we're in kind of, I don't, I, I don't want to say a renaissance, but we're definitely in a era where platforming games are becoming financially not much of a risk anymore that isn't mario or sonic if the crash bandicoot and spiral trilogies told us like the remakes those games there's an audience because those games sold really well um ukulele the ukulele series as much as like a mix on the first one i love the second game but the uh like those didn't enough that you know it got a sequel and it seems to be doing really well a hat in time is one of my favorite games of the past generation and i think that did over a million units last i heard which is really good for a kickstarted game right and it yeah. wasn't a dis- disaster like kickstarted games like are known to be like disasters and that was the one that was able like to be the shovel knights or it was an actual success and fans really loved it and on top of that like y- did you know there's a remake there's a remake of tie to kangaroo on the switch right now there's a remake of Ta- not tied to kangaroo tied to tasmanian tiger oh, okay jesus really yeah i did not know they made a remake i know you can get them on steam but they're like remasters this one's like a full-on remake and it's Holy 30 shit. bucks on steam from what i heard it's it's wait for a price drop because it's definitely not worth 30 bucks but like for 20 or 15 it's definitely worth it um but yeah like it's, i mean if this is if this is like a thing then we're 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 years away from blinks three okay i'm honestly so, <laughs> as much as people were like man blinks the time sweeper three i know as much as people were pissed about like microsoft not announcing a new banjo kazooie game at the xbox game showcase um but i would have not been surprised if they just had blinks out of nowhere but then again, I think Microsoft dropped the trademark of Blinks. So if it's anything, it could be just like a third party just picked it up and just kind of rolled with it. And we're, and honestly, I think I would not be, well, I mean, we're getting Crash 4, by the way, too. Like an actual successor to the original Crash trilogy. And from what I heard, it's sounding pretty good. When they used the term Sonic Mania and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, two of my favorite games of this past generation, um, color me hyped. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just love, I just love that we are getting these obscure games are kind of coming back and very, very like, and no, and they're not seem as too much of a risk anymore. Cause I think back in the day, like even Sega, I would even say like with Sonic, like as much as they hoard them around, they kind of like, 
we gotta make them updated because you can't just rely on good good Ghanaian platforming these days where it's like well those are the ones that fans want so yeah dude give them guns actually uh cal 4 if developers if you're listening give cal uh, more guns yeah um, just get more guns just for the american <laughs> version more guns actually can we get death grips on the soundtrack too <laughs> start chaos it's like listening <laughs> with his big headphones no, the headphones that cover his like are on his eyes but not on his ears yes gotta be and then, and then you just hear get 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 got got my my Oh yeah, sequel, we need sequel. we need some hardcore cow the kangaroo action. This is why we're not in in charge of any games because our no. games will be so bad. It, they would quickly turn into a fever dream. Oh, they so. will. I mean, here's the sad part. I think I was talking about it with Chris uh, back in our Gex episode, but honestly, I think I would not be shocked if we get a Gex remake any day. Like, I think that's oh, happening. Oh, definitely. Especially the months that it's still a relevant meme. Gex is a relevant meme in 2020. How the fuck is that possible? <laughs> we need a full Gex reboot with a star-studded ensemble cast. Um, get Actually, get um, Gex voiced by uh, Jim Carrey. And let's just, you know, let's just pop the top on Gex and make it the next big thing. Do you keep the 90s references or do you make completely new Iskir 2020 references? Oh, we got to make, we got to get new references, um, new worlds, like, you know, that are completely dystopian. And uh, yeah, we're just going to enter a new era of Gex. It's going to be, we're also (laughs) going to get a Gex MMO. So <laughs> it's Square Enix owns the right to Gex, by the way, because it's from Crystal Dynamics. So do they me. really? Yes. Oh my God, we gotta get we gotta give Gex the full Weeaboo treatment, though. <laughs> I mean, imagine imagine a Gex game that is fully produced and directed by Square Enix that has the same level of graphics as Final Fantasy. Oh my, <laughs> Highly detailed, oh my God. beautiful Gex. I would. I mean, it would be a financial disaster, but I'm all for it. If you put me in charge of that game, I'm making it like a complete parody of Sonic Adventures, uh, the or no Sonic 06 story with like Gex falling in love with a human woman. Get get some fucking, and then you have to throw some Kingdom Hearts shit at that. Yeah, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, where you're just like, wait, who's this guy? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. But to close out the show here, as much as I would love to talk about Gex and guys. If there's one thing to learn about me, I do love me some Gex. Um, <laughs> would you remake KO2 like today? Like, do you think it holds up in 2020? And if we do remake it, can it be? Can it hold up? Can it hold? Definitely, up? I definitely think so. I think I'm interested to see what this reboot is like Same. because I think that the tools available to any developers now and the platforms having steam um uh, like, you know, even the switch the switch yeah i mean there's tons of platforms that are tailor-made for lower budget indie developers to shine and i think you know learning the lessons they've made three games already so i think with this fourth one you could really uh push the boundaries of this character and the game because you have so much more at your disposal I, I agree. I do think, like, as much as it sounds like we were kind of shitting on the game, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some flaws to this game, and at most, this is a very average platformer. 
but it has a lot it has a lot of charm that if you're in the mood for a skier platforming games that has a lot of character this is definitely one of those games for you and i do think it it oddly does hold up in 2020 like decently well i mean it it definitely has showed its age. the fact that i'm like i just learned that it came out in 2006 still blows my goddamn mind but <laughs> but again like I do, I do think it holds up well i think this remaster on steam is very well made and if they ever like completely remake it like i think there is enough that you can build upon and just make like little quality of life fixes and you know just pop it on steam for maybe like 15 20 bucks and even or even do a trilogy like even if they do the trilogy like crash and spyro in like 40 bucks like i think that's perfectly fine i would totally buy that in a heartbeat because you know me i love my obscure platformers and i i'm i always can be playing as much as i could should be playing some overwatch on my switch that i played and i barely put 10 hours in i would easily put 12 hours into that game oh yeah yeah 100 percent. i think um it's worth your time this game is worth your time i will say overall it's it's two bucks on steam honestly you can do a lot worse you can buy bubsy like that's the say that I think even Bubsy's five bucks, which is already not worth the price of it. What a ripoff! I know, right? I and I don't. I try not to talk shit about games because game development it's very hard, and you know there's so much that goes into it. But fuck Bubsy, I'm sorry. Yeah. Fuck that Bobcat. <laughs> if you're this this episode, you're gonna learn a lot about me. I love me some Gex. I love me some cute eyes, and fuck Bubsy the Bobcat. <laughs> Oh, I like the the beginning of this feud feels good. Uh, Troy versus Bubs. Oh yeah, because I have to build it up because I know eventually I have to talk about the game, the, especially Bubsy for you because it is so infamous that I feel you have to talk about it. And I don't know if I have anything new to say that everybody else hasn't said before on YouTube. Like you know, like it's one of those games. Like I don't know where I could really put my spin on it, but it is definitely one of those games you're like, you have to. It's such a it's important part. It came out the same year of Crash Bandicoot and Super Mario 64, and it straight up looked like a tech demo. Granted, the development of that game is very fascinating, so I do I do want to save it for that. But yeah, I do I definitely fuck Bubsy. If Bubsy get into Smash Brothers before Rayman, uh, Sakurai, you're dead to me. <laughs> he would have to be some. They would have to be smoking some strong PCP, dude, to put in Bubsy. Put any Bubsy anywhere near smash bros okay no way like no way you'll I, see we would see shrek before we see, <laughs> we would see we, we would, <laughs> no we would fucking see sora before it could bubsy like, yeah oh i mean sora sora could be i would be like oh yeah that makes sense that they got sora in there like to be to be completely honest with myself and the world if shrek gets in i'll both lose my mind number one and two <laughs> I mean, just be stunned. <laughs> it's just, there's no way they're going to put Shrek in that game, but I'll main him day one. You so. main Oh, I know. You're like, Do Donkey Kong's no longer my best friend. Shrek's my new best friend. <laughs> Shrek's my new best friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I do want to talk about one of the Shrek games with you, because it's definitely going to happen. Cause oh, I'm in. There's a lot of games that came out. God. I, I still find it weird that Shrek is still somewhat relevant in today's era because it's they're rebooting Shrek. They're rebooting Shrek. It's such a period of its time, but people love the fuck out of that green orb. 
even to even the point that like there's a guy like there's a joke in Shrek 2 that surprisingly aids well of like the cops rip off and like Eddie Murphy's hor- like hor- donkey character saying police brutality police brutality you're like what the <laughs> fuck this was 2004 in a kids film like people are like oh the world was always not this fucked up no it has been we were just a lot more quiet about it <laughs> oh my that's god. very true but oh my god I I digress but. Yeah, eventually one day we'll talk about that fucking Bobcat. We'll talk about some Shrek games. And KO the Kangaroo Round 2 is totally worth your time. It's not a long platformer. It's only two bucks on Steam. I wouldn't even be shocked if they throw it again for free in a couple weeks. Honestly, it seems like they do that every few months. So if you do stumble upon it, it's definitely worth the pickup. I definitely give it a recommendation here. And yeah, that's and that's pretty much it. I, I, I feel like we kind of rambled a lot. Which kind of set like it's I mean, I do like the freeform format and I do feel like we had a structure like we did talk about everything we wanted to talk about, but we definitely like kind of gone on to a tangent on some other things. But if anything, it just adds some personality to us and just lets the audience know what our love and dislike for platformers and maybe give them a little. Oh, time. yeah, definitely. Hopefully. I mean, yeah, it did get a little uh, off topic and stuff, but I felt like it was fun. It oh, yeah, felt I had good energy. Well, because also like a game like this where it's like, really, this is a like, there's not that much to talk about. Like there is enough where I feel like it justifies an episode, but it's definitely like, okay, you gotta, you gotta air it out. I think we're just kind of like spitballing here. Cause yeah, with, with a game that has as little information as that game does, I think we had to, you know, vamp. Yeah. Like every game, like every game so far, I have found enough of development. And because again, like you guys know, like we talk about the development, we talk about our attachment to the game and stuff like that. And it's like the most we could say is that we were aware about the game and stuff like that. And there's no development. Like there's like there's no development information, which just blows my mind. But it's like you know, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm glad I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't go with this game as the first episode because I feel like it really would have made the podcast off to a weird note compared to the Psychonauts episode. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still kind of like look back on the Psychonauts episode and see where I could have improved. And this again, everything's just uh. A growing pain, but I'm glad that I went with Psychonauts over KO the Kangaroo. Like I'm glad we t- I talked it with you, but I'm glad we kind of waited this long because this would have been a very weird pilot episode to say the least. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think Psychonauts was a good start, um, and uh, it's good because that's what you know. That's something that Spencer and I have been doing with the Killers is that like we don't want to you know, blow the huge songs early. Like, I don't want to do your Mr. Brightsides and, you know, somebody told me. and Or human. Uh, sp- yeah, human. I can't just drop those in the early episodes because then we'll, you know, th- we're doing literally every killer's song. So we have to, like, do some of the the stuff that's just in between that nobody really cares about. I mean, yeah, and I mean, with this, this whole podcast for us here, by the way, uh, everyone, if you haven't noticed, uh, Michael Nance, my lovely co-host, guest host of the uh, evening, this podcast here, he does host a wonderful podcast that uh, with our good friend Spencer, uh, who I actually guest starred on an episode, uh, guest host, I believe two weeks ago or something like that. Uh, we talked about interlude and the concept of soft concept records, which was a very fascinating take to say the least but um give them some love uh it's soul of a truck a podcast about the killers 
definitely yeah. give, give, give us a look uh, where where can they find you by the way michael since we're just talking about your podcast primarily i'm on anchor um but it's also on apple podcasts and google podcasts so uh if you just search soul of a truck also um we're on twitter and instagram at soul of a truck pod so um i create and craft lovingly every meme for the instagram so uh, there's you, some solid stuff yeah if you want some real some real hotness go to our instagram and find my and you know love my memes yeah it's some good it's some good quality stuff and uh, i definitely recommend it was a very it, the one episode i had a um take uh i guess toast because you were uh, busy that week i it was a lot of fun and it's a very fun show i definitely recommend it if you like this show i think you would like this but like again like the gist the gist of like my podcast is i want to talk about these kind of games but sometimes there's like a lot more depth to some of these games because there's a lot more information and i'm just shocked that there's not that much information about ko the kangaroo because again this is a game that people are like people our age group remember existing but it's just like no one like never really played it and there's not that much information like honestly i this is material for from freaking creepy pasta or some yeah. fan theories that like you tell at the playground like right. on recess like it's just i'm like really shocked like how bare bone of information is really out there for this game my mom bought me a copy of cow the kangaroo and on the inside it was just a silver disc that said cow and when i put <laughs> it in it was just cow standing in a dark room and his eyes were bleeding and he turned to the screen and he said my name <laughs> And then Lightning McQueen pops out of nowhere and goes, Ka-chow. Ka-chow. <laughs> and and then from like, then on, it, cow, the bloody-eyed cow would be in all of my saved games. I couldn't escape it. I was sucked into the game. <laughs> this is from the perspective of me on the television. Oh, my God. Creepypasta, man. What the fuck? But I'm, I'm glad. But this was a fun episode. It did get off the rails a little bit. But, again, you kind of do what you kind of do. But... I do recommend this game. It's a fun, it's a fun, fun play. It's only two bucks. That's all I could really say. But we already know where you can uh, find you. Like Soul of a Truck, is that correct for the, the yes podcast? at Soul of a Truck Pod and uh, Soul of a Truck Podcast is on uh, Anchor and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Dude, fuckers, I'm not even on Apple Podcasts. I tried, but apparently my cover, the cover art that the our lovely friend uh, Stephanie made for us made for me which i still love to this day apparently like copyright like because of like the sonic and banjo and Mario. Uh, like yeah. yeah apple music apple podcast won't take it up but you know i got it on spotify i got it on anchor i got it on everything else so you know that's all you need anywho but thank thank you again michael for coming by i know we had a little bit of a a little bit of a loosey goosey episode to say the least but i'm glad that we kind of had loosey goosey with you because i feel i could always get loosey goosey around you michael but also <laughs> what an honor i'm happy to loosen your goose and i and also i you know enough about platforming games as much as me like and i definitely want to talk like i'll definitely have you back on the show because i definitely want to do some concept like questions and like discussions about platforming games because i definitely feel like we can definitely go on a while about that and keeping ears on to that i have plans uh plans for that as well but always a pleasure it's always a pleasure talking to you and thank you again for playing this obscure platforming game with me oh yeah man it was fun it was a lot of fun but and thank you to the audience i know this was a little bit of a loosey-goosey episode but i hope you had a good time i hope you guys check out k uh ko the kangaroo round two 
And yeah, like that's all I could really say. Thank you again. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, if you want to follow the show, it's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, up and down and all around. Um, if you want to email me, it's up and down and around at gmail.com. Um, also DM me on Twitter, Instagram. I do reply there. If you have any questions about the podcast and if you have any suggestions or anything like that. And yeah, thank you guys again for supporting the show. And until the next time, everybody stay safe, wear a mask, wear a mask and be good to each other.